<sighs> the Knicks got the doors blown off them in an embarrassing 44-point defeat against the reigning MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks on Monday. New York Post-Knicks beat writer Mark Berman drops by to break down another debacle in the seventh straight loss in the 4-17 and nightmare season for the New York Knicks. We're also excited to chat with a diehard Knicks fan, a terrific actor. I'm an entourage fan myself, and I rock with power all day, every day. My guy Jerry Ferrara is on the show. All that and more on a very, very sad episode of Big Apple Buckets with the New York Post. Let's begrudgingly get it. Welcome back to Big Apple Buckets, a New York Post, New York Knicks podcast. I'm your host, Kazim Famiwide, but you can call me Kaz. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at K-A-Z-E-E-M on both social channels. New episodes drop every Tuesday as we dive into everything Knicks with our team of New York Post writers and special guests. Hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Five-star ratings and nice reviews are always welcome because I love compliments. And we are joined joined today by our good pal, the legendary Mark Berman of The Post, as well as Entourage, Power, uh, Think Like a Man, and Die Hard Nick Stan, Jerry Ferrara, on the show. Ooh, we got a lot to talk about, so let's get it going. You know, I could talk about the Knicks getting blown up by 44 points last night. I could talk about the Knicks blowing another fourth quarter lead against Boston like they've done so many times this season. I could talk about the fact that the Knicks are 4-17, and 17, but I'm not even going to get into all that. I'm going to get into being lied to. I'm going to get into getting sold a dream. I'm going to get into when something tells me something is off. We're New Yorkers. We are pros at sniffing out BS. And we have been sold and sniffed and taken the BS far too long. This is the team that said they were going to bring back 90s, 90s roughness. You remember that, Jake? Remember when they said they were going to bring back toughness? You remember when they said that they were going to go in? It was going to be a hard day's work when you come into the garden. You know what's happened since then? Do you know what's happened since then? These guys have made the Madison Square Garden literally the entire NBA's playground and it's one thing to blow leads it's one thing to have a bad coaching decision or poor rotations or not developing young players or signing a bunch of veteran guys who really don't make sense on the roster it's one thing to do all that but to get absolutely embarrassed by Giannis Antetokounmpo granted the Bucs are a good team I give you give the Bucs their credit MVP on their team Looking like he might be MVP again. So you give him their credit. Going on the second night of a back of back, I get it. But you got guys that are professional basketball players talking about we weren't ready to play the game tonight. What? What else are you doing? What else are you doing? What? You got one job. I can understand if it's the rookie saying this. I can understand if it's R.J. Barrett talking about, oh, man, I don't think I was ready. He went 0 for 9, had probably his worst game of the season. I can understand if it's Alonzo Trier who hasn't even sniffed any, any hard court in about three weeks since we were still talking about Halloween. I can, I can understand if it's 
Dennis Smith Jr., who's been through so many things, Mitch Robinson, these guys, but you got people who have been in the league for years talking about we weren't ready to play the game today. That is the quickest way. If you're and you're in this city, that is the quickest way. Coach, front office, roster, everybody. That is the quickest way to get New Yorkers to not F with you. When you don't bring effort. My expectations were low for the Knicks already, but holy, my, like, yo, bruh. I see Marcus Morris bop dude on the head, and I thought, okay, we got the right attitude going into the season. And granted, if there's any, I could say a lot of things about a lot of people on the New York Knicks. I can't say nothing about Marcus Morris. He's brought it this year. Best season statistically of his career. Leading the entire NBA in three-point shooting. Can't Got to give him that. But the Knicks have been nothing less than an embarrassment. An embarrassment. Kaz, I'll close it with this. In the words of the great philosopher Ja Rule, I, too, was hustled, scammed, <laughs> bamboozled, hoodwinked. Led astray. And led astray. Oh, gosh. It's a loss. I don't want to say it's a lost season already, but my goodness gracious. When is Cole Anthony playing? What's James Wiseman doing right now? I like Anthony Edwards. LaMelo Ball. I can see him in New York City. He's built for the city. Are we already? It's not even Christmas already. We're already talking about who, when, when are these 17-year-old kids playing, 18-year-old kids playing. That's where we're at with the Knicks. It's not even Christmas. They do this to me every year. <sighs> My goodness. It's going crazy. <laughs> All right, you know, certain days it's really hard to do this podcast, especially when the Knicks get punched by 44 points. But I do get to chat with the legend himself, the senior Knicks writer for the New York Post, my man Mark Berman. How you doing, Chief? Hey, Cass. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's always good to have you on. You're literally the only person I could talk to after a game <laughs> like last night. So, I mean, in a word, man, what what the hell happened last night? Between I, I know Mark Morris has been become the lead dog, and Frank Nilakina has uh, taken the reins as the point guard, and they have been relatively competitive this, this, despite not being able to finish games. But yesterday was just an absolute blitzing by the Milwaukee Bucks. What did you see out there last night that was just so night and day between the effort on Sunday and the effort last night? Yeah, it was very alarming. It was the first sign of a team that's quitting. And even Fisdale admitted in different language that he didn't feel his team uh, went into the game thinking they could win. Uh, Julius Randle in the locker room said that he felt a very low morale in the locker uh, in the locker room before the game. Dennis Smith talked about the huddles not being as spirited as usual. It is the second night of a back-to-back, and they were traveling from New York to Milwaukee. But it but that's the NBA, and it's not much of an excuse. I mean, listen, the Bucks have now won twelve straight, but it they didn't looked like they were an NBA team and belonged on the court. And it was very embarrassing. And it was from the opening tap. And they made Giannis look like he was playing against middle school players. Uh, This can't happen again. Uh, Scott Perry was there. Steve Mills was not. But for Fisdale's future... He's not being judged on the one loss record, but he is being judged on if they're competitive. And and last night in Milwaukee, they were not competitive at all. 
Yeah, that's that's one thing that I've uh, I've I've stated about Fizdale a lot. I mean, granted, nobody thought they were going to be world beaters this year, but we did think that the development of the team was something that's going to be paramount for his success. And you look at the young guys that he helped bring in last year, guys that showed a lot of promise, as in Knox and Trier and Robinson and Dennis Smith. And outside of all those guys, it looks like all of them have kind of taken a step back underneath Fizdale's watch. I mean, outside of Frank Nielakina, who's playing with a little bit more confidence, but, you know, the room to grow there wasn't so big. Mitch Robinson and his foul trouble has definitely made him take a step back developmental-wise. Kevin Knox's confidence was completely shot. Alonzo Trier, you know, outside from yesterday, we hadn't seen him in a, in a number of games. You hit, it, you hit the nail on the head. We don't know. Uh, you, we know the win-loss record isn't going to judge him, but, like, just the, the development of this young talent that – so many people were so high on, including R.J. Barrett. What's the end of the line for Dave Fisdale? I mean, like, if, if you're losing, you're not developing guys, and you got veterans who have been in the league for a while and say they weren't ready to play on the second night of a back-to-back, -back, you're a professional. What is, the, what is the end of the line for Dave Fisdale? What do you see it as? Yeah, well, you just hit it on the head with the young players and – even R.J. Barrett is starting to slip a little bit. Last night was his worst game of the season, uh, 0 for 9, very low energy. Uh, but, right, what is Fisdale, what does he hang his hat on if not, if the one loss record is going to be the worst uh, after 21 games in Nick history? Well, the young players have to show promise, and he's tried – motivational tactics with Kevin Knox and it doesn't seem to work. He obviously benched him over the weekend for the entire game last night, five points. He was a minus 37 in 23 minutes shot one and nine. So Dennis Smith jr. His jump shot after working all summer with uh, Keith smart on his technique, it looks as broken as ever. As you mentioned, Mitchell and his foul trouble. Listen, on the offensive end, I can understand he hasn't developed that mid-range game yet. He's still doing his alley-oops and putbacks, but he's got to be a great defender. And right now, he can't defend anyone without fouling them. He's very confused. And that's something that the coaching staff has to work on with him. What's a foul? What's not a foul? He doesn't even know. Um, and Trier is off the map, off the radar. He came in in the first half, finally, but didn't even play the second half. And that's because Fisdale wants this ball movement offense, and he knows that Trier is not that guy. But overall, if the young players aren't improving, then there's nothing that Fisdale can say he's doing well. You talk about if Fisdale's talked about how there's a lot of camaraderie, the team is sticking together last night they looked like they did not want to be anywhere uh near milwaukee where are we with alfred payton and this injury that seems to have taken longer than usual and when can we expect him back on the court yeah we got him in the locker room last night uh he doesn't talk very much but uh he said he'll be cleared full bore for practice on wednesday and that will be his first full practice. So conceivably, you know, it's full contact. Conceivably, they could suit him up Thursday against the Nuggets. And 
we could talk about how Frank has improved, but they're not winning with him. I think they look at him more as a combo guard, more of a two guard anyway. Uh, so Alfred was signed July 1st because Scott Perry thought he could be their starting point guard. When he hurt his hamstring, he was the starting point guard. He's a pretty good defender, and he get, breaks down the defense. He could get into the lane and maybe help Kevin Knox get some easy shots. Uh, Mitchell also. Uh, he's not a good shooter, but right now they need some kind of change. So I think Alfred is going to get his chance. Now, uh, the one thing that I personally love about uh, blowout games is garbage time minutes. And guys like Kadeem Allen, Ignis Bredzakis got probably the most time they've gotten all season this year. I mean, Allen looked pretty good. Iggy is a rookie, obviously. Uh, still got some learning about the NBA game to get with him. Uh, do you think we see any more of Kadeem Allen? Do you see think we see any more of Iggy Bredzakis? Like, where do we see where do, where do these Knicks go as far as like looking down the bench just to get a little bit of something out of anybody? Yeah, Fisdale really likes Kadeem Allen, uh, but he's on that two way G League contract, so he can only be with the team for forty five days. Uh, they brought him in last night to Milwaukee because Frank has a back injury, but I think Frank might even be back on Thursday. Uh, down the road, I imagine they're going to trade a couple of these free agents that they signed to one-year deals and open up some roster spots. And at that point, I could see Kadeem going from a two-way contract to just a normal NBA contract, so he's not on a 45-day restriction. And then I could even see Kenny Wooden out of out in Westchester being called up uh, to the roster. But Kadeem, he hit three of four three-pointers. It was garbage time. Most of the game was garbage time. But he has a grit to him. He could run the offense, and he could shoot. None of these point guards can shoot. He's probably the best shooter of, of Payton, Smith, and Nilakina. So I think they're going to – Give him a little bit of a look at some point. It's so congested right now, especially with Peyton coming back. But I think down the road, Allen's going to get a real shot. Uh, and Brzezikas at some point also, he's playing a lot of G League ball. Didn't shoot it well last night. Got 18 minutes, though. I think he was 2-9. and nine. Uh, But listen, they spent a million dollars to move up in the second round to draft this guy. So... They believe in him, and he'll get his opportunity, too, as this season wears on. Now, the schedule doesn't get any easier. You got the Nuggets, who are looking at oh, – they're always a good team out in the West. You got the Pacers on Saturday, and you got Carmelo Anthony, the reigning Western Conference Player of the Week, uh, taking on the Knicks in uh, Portland next Tuesday. Could three more losses – these three more losses could drop the Knicks to 4-20. and 20. Their worst start in Knicks history. How much worse do you possibly see this getting? And does David Fisdale even we're not, not even talking about next season? Does he make it into the new year as the next head coach if they drop to four and twenty? Yeah, I mean, there's a possibility he does not, of course, if they continue to lose. Uh the Denver game is the end of a five game stretch where the, these were five teams you can say are title contenders. So this was a real brutal stretch. Uh, they have to be competitive against Denver. And, you know, 
Indiana is a team, when you're at home, you should have a chance to win the game. So before they go out west, you know, the Knicks really have to right the ship. Uh, otherwise, Fisdale's seat is going to grow even hotter. Um, again, the one loss record isn't as important as how these young guys look and if they're like fighting to the wire against these teams. And they did against Philadelphia and Boston. Uh, they had, you know, solid outings. The Toronto game was a disaster, although not as much a d- disaster as against Milwaukee. In Toronto, they were actually up 11 points early in the second quarter before they collapsed. Last night was just unseemly. I can't remember watching as uncompetitive a game, and I've covered this team for 21 years, so it, it was pretty brutal. I mean, the, that whole second half was garbage time, essentially. My gosh. Mark Berman. The legend, follow him on Twitter at NYPost underscore Berman and check out the Knicks coverage in the post and at NYPost.com. Mark, it's been a rough stretch for the Knicks, but hopefully we'll catch you next week and got a little something better to talk about. Have a good day, man. Thanks a lot, guys. Take it easy. All right, it's a safe space here on the Big Apple Buckets podcast with the New York Post. So I decided to invite one of the most well-known Knicks fans on the entire planet. He stars as Joe Proctor on Power, God rest his soul. He also played Turtle on Entourage, one of my favorite shows of all time. Like I said before, he's a diehard Knicks fan. He was also my GM in the NBA 2K League uh, for the New York Knicks. Ladies and gentlemen, Jerry Ferrara is joining us on Big Apple Buckets. What's going on, boy? I feel like this is going to be therapeutic for the both of us. Listen. To uh, talk about the stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I'm so glad that you're on the show today because I feel like this this podcast is a safe space, all right? Only Nick fans could understand other Nick fans, all right? But there's a reason why we keep coming back for this type of punishment each and every single year. So, Jerry, from a guy who, you know, literally every time he's courtside, they, they put you up on the scoreboard, you get the grand welcome. How hard is it continuing to be a diehard Knicks fan each and every year? Well, I mean, look, it's, it's, it's extremely hard. You know, I've, I've said this multiple times, like on Twitter and stuff, but I, I, I don't jump shit. I'm not going anywhere. It's not like I'm going to be, one, you know, because I have friends who are like, oh, I don't even watch the Knicks anymore or whatever. Like when their team isn't really in a good place, they, they balk. I do not do that. I go down with the ship. Uh, this is particularly tough this season because, you know, we were hoping to at least be in contention, you know, well into January, February, you know, and it just, it just hasn't worked. I don't think it is because of a huge lack of talent. I really don't. It's just whatever it is, the team is not gelling. Obviously there's some holes in the team. we got a lot of young guys who need to figure stuff out, but it's just not working. And, um, you know, I we always do search for bright spots and optimism and stuff like that. It's definitely getting a little difficult now. But, I mean, you know, I, I know the Knicks organization wants to win. So, I know no one – this is not, like, the plan. I don't think the plan is to have four wins at this point in the season. So, uh, I, I'm just at a little bit of a loss because I don't want to start rooting for, you know, the lottery odds just yet. But I don't know – even though in the East are probably still only like seven games out of the eighth seed, I don't know what to do. Yeah, it's. I feel like you know, you know what it kind of feels like. You know, when we were growing up and we knew like Chicago Cubs fans, 
And you're like, oh, Cubs fans, like, how do you how do you root for those those lovable losers every single year? Like, Knicks fans are becoming those fans, and like brighter days are starting to get like a little slimmer. You know, it kind of feels like. You know, at the beginning of the year, I said this early in the podcast, my expectations weren't that high already. I was like, you know what? Let me see the kids grow a little bit. Let me see the veterans kind of push them. I'm not crazy. I'm, I'm like, if I get if we got 30 wins this year, I'd be satisfied with that. But now even that's looking like a stretch. So to to speaking to you as, as another fan, like, you know, what are some of the little bright spots that you have seen with this franchise with the first 20 games down the season? Well, if I uh, if I really get out my microscope and, and look and dissect, <laughs> look, I mean, I obviously was, you know, loving some of the Frank games that he has had in the last, you know, two or three weeks when he had the starting job. You know, you were seeing at least a little bit of what kind of a player he could be. You know, the turnovers were low. The defense was stellar. The shooting was getting a little bit better. The creating was getting a little bit better. I mean, people still forget because so many guys come into this league at 20 years old and already are, you know, all-stars almost, you know, and Frank's taking a little more time to develop, but that was great. I, look, I, I, I've loved R.J. Barrett to this point. Obviously, you know, he's a rookie and he goes through his woes and stuff like that, but I think he's shooting the ball a lot better than everybody thought he would right away. The athleticism is clearly, you know, stellar NBA level, and I just think that, this is good for him, not necessarily only having four wins, but just he's getting to play. Wasn't he, like, leading the league in minutes early through the first couple of weeks, you know? Yeah, so yeah. that's been that's been good. You know, I'd like to see a little more Mitchell Robinson get him to stay healthy. I'd like to see the ref stop calling unnecessary fouls. Like, I get it. You get, like, reputations in this league, and he's a super active defender, but and he does foul a lot. But there are some plays I look at, I'm like, that's just not a foul I get it like he's not always in the best position but he's an elite defender so I, I certainly see what the future could be but um there's just some other frustrations of stuff that uh that has I mean I'm looking at the standings right now this is like just how ridiculous of a rough season it's been so far and we're still only as of right now today we're five games out of the east the eighth seed Listen, behind Orlando yeah, I'm not two, saying two good weeks and that. they're right back in <laughs> well I, I was actually, I, I'm not a big moral victory guy, you know. I, I just rather have a victory. But, you know, from game one, that first game against the Spurs, we should have closed. The next game early on, we should have closed. The Hornets game recently, two weeks ago, obviously, you know, we should never let that one slip away. Like, there's probably four or five games out there that I think if we maybe just had a little more experience or maybe you could say just a better game plan going down the stretch I think we could easily have eight wins right now not saying that would be, mean anything but other than like all right we'd still be we'd be flirting I just want to flirt with the seven and eight feet uh, I just want to flirt <laughs> you know what I don't want to get into a formal relationship but a flirting is, is, is good for me as well uh orbit you know. we're, or, we're orbit each other you know? <laughs> now um everybody's had their thoughts on coach Dave Fisdale and, you know, the job that he's done, whether it's uh, getting these close wins that it seems like good coaches seem to get when it's a, a one or two possession game or the development of the young talent guys like the aforementioned R.J. Barrett, Frank Nilekina, Trier, N Robinson, Knox. Um, what do you think of the job that Dave Fisdale has done? And do you think he has gotten a fair shake as the head coach of the Knicks? So, uh, you know, 
this is a tough spot because number one, I don't always love when fans, especially diehard fans from their couch, start questioning the coaching. Like David Fisdale forgot more today about basketball than I know. You know, like it's he he's he's I think he's a great coach. Mm-hmm. Um I think there's been some bad breaks that have happened. Um I, you know, just as a basketball fan and someone who's played basketball most of his life and watched thousands of games, like I watch some stuff as a fan and kinda wonder is that a coaching decision or is that just the way the game's shaking out, you know? Just how much like Randall's kinda handling the ball and dumping it down the portis and stuff like that. I just I, I again I'm not saying it's the wrong move. I just wonder is that the way it's being coached? Um I I I think for I think he, he just needs more time. He's got a very young team, um uh, and I think he's just in it right now. And I, again I think if they close out some of those games if he's sitting at maybe eight and eleven and people be saying, Oh wow, Frizzell's doing a great job. So there's a lot of time left. I think Frizzell's a really good coach. And um I think he's definitely good for the culture of the team and good for just you know he he doesn't shy away from New York media like he 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 does every press conference he he's constantly backing up his guys like I think he's a good coach I think he needs more time and I think uh, I just think it's a rough spot right now it's easy to pile on and uh, I don't think there's one person to blame in this situation. Now switching gears just a little bit. Uh, you have the distinct advantage that other Knicks fans don't have as you're a celebrity. So when you go to the Knicks game, they put you on camera, they show a clip of power or entourage or something, and you got a huge ovation. And no matter if the Knicks are up, down, left, right, it doesn't matter, you still always feel welcomed at the Garden. Um, One question I have for you is, what other great Knicks perks do you get being a celebrity Knicks fan that many people may not know about? Well, I mean, I, look, I don't know if this is a, a, a perk because of celebrity or maybe that had something to do. I don't know. But you mentioned earlier, kind of in my intro, like the stuff I get to do for Knicks Gaming, which is the professional 2K League team that, you know, MSG owns. That, that's definitely for me a dream because it's kind of like almost being like like a GM simulator school where, you know, you're, you're doing all the same things that, like, an NBA front office would do. Obviously, the stakes are not nearly as high as what's going on <laughs> in the NBA. But, and again, if for those of you who are not into gaming, this is going to sound totally ridiculous to you. So I get it. It's all good. But oh, no. Those of you I, I, I tell them, yeah, you know. I tell them all the time. We won that tournament last summer with, I think we had our Brian Scalabrini on our team. I got Adam the first. Yeah. All those yeah. guys. It was it wasn't a it wasn't a dope arena. People came to watch it. It was like a real experience. Like clearly, I didn't know what I was getting into, but you know, I saw you there. So I was like, "Yo, this is this is actually kind of lit." It's great. I mean, we you know, Nick Gaming won the championship in year one in the inaugural season. So you know, like going in now, the new new two K twenty's been out for a while. Uh, the draft is coming, uh, I believe, in March, and we retained two players. So now we have to redraft four spots. Now I'm watching, there's a combine, I'm watching film on these guys, you got to do player interviews, and then we're going to get in a war room at MSG, like we've done the last two years in a row, with even some, you know, some just executives popping their heads and making sure we're not screwing things up, and we're going to draft a team that feels, like like I said, simulator is the best way I could describe it, but I, I think it's the closest I'll ever get to a front office of a, of a sports organization. Well, that's the, hey, you know what? 
You cool. probably do a lot better job than uh, you brought. You brought one more championship than our actual front office has brought us in the past cool. couple of years. Um, so another question I have for you. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm a huge like diehard Entourage fan. Like, and you know, to this day, do people still run up to you and say, "Hey, Turtle"? And is it annoying? Is it endearing? You know, this people are kind of weird about it sometimes. I'd like to get your thoughts on it because um, you played such an iconic role when it came to that TV show. So it's actually funny because nowadays it's definitely way more proctor on the streets than so. Yeah. I just think it's a relevancy and, and recency thing, you know, because obviously power is such a kind of mass success, you know. I mean, the yeah. numbers power puts up is ridiculous. But going back to the entourage and the turtle thing, there's, there's like three three or four different versions of the on-the-street encounter, right? There's yeah. just like the kind of – quick like almost like larry david like brief stop and chat doesn't want to do a stop and chat but kind of <laughs> like hey you played turn on entourage love that show oh, thanks man and they just keep it moving yeah then there's um you know <clears throat> the person that says similar things and then wants to kind of have you know have a little bit of a talk tell me about some of their favorite episodes show a lot of love that's all good and then there's like the the experience where the person i'm a hundred percent like I am turtle. Like there is no Jerry Ferrara in existence. <laughs> wants to know where the dog, Arnold the dog is, and wants to know if I want to like smoke a joint with him. Like they a hundred percent think that it's real. <laughs> and I think there's room for all three versions of that fan. And uh, you know, and then every now and then you get the kind of the trash talking. Like wants to just kind of you know I don't know why this 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 person exists, but just wants to kind of make it their business to just talk a little trash to you. So I don't know why we're not playing sports or anything like, <laughs> but so, but I think there's room for all those encounters. And um, yeah, there's times where it's like, ah, this is really not a great time. Uh, I'm in a terrible, I'm in a terrible mood. Uh, but then there's other times where I'm, you know, it uplifts my mood and it changes my day. It makes me feel good. So. I mean, I, I'm, I'm one of those guys. I think I've been one of those guys, except for the jerk. To you, at least on three different occasions. <laughs> yeah, I don't. You don't strike me as the the guy who wants to talk trash for no reason at one o'clock on a Tuesday. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of power, man, you played Proctor on the show. Uh, shocked a lot of people when uh, when they killed off your character. I didn't see it coming. Uh, my 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 girl is extremely into the show, and, I, and just as I was getting into it, they killed you off. I'm like, that's what that's what they always do. God damn it! So, um, how hard was it? I mean, obviously you've played a lot of roles, a lot of movies, and a lot of TV shows. How hard was it, especially a show with that big of a cult following? Was it to keep that a secret, you know, especially when, you know, that show comes on every Sunday and it feels like my entire timeline is just power, just all up and down the Twitter timeline. How hard was it to keep that secret? And did you keep it from people close to your, to your friends, family? Like, who knew that this was the last ride for Proctor on that episode of Power? I mean, it's really hard because, like, on one level, you know it's coming because it's kind of coming for everybody on that show, just the way Power has always been, you know? Main characters get get taken out at all times i mean we shot that death scene i think by the time it was all done was like end of january in in uh night in this year in the past year 19 and the show didn't start airing till mid-june so i'm sitting on it for five months and the worst part about it it's kind of a relief now that it's done because the worst part is not even so much that i can't keep a secret i can keep a secret but then when you're doing press to promote the show 
And the Power fans are, are the, the best fans. Like, they're the most ravenous fan. Like, they devour all the Power content. So they try to trick you into getting information. And even, like, journalists who are fans of the shows are doing, you know, an interview or whatever, talking on the podcast. And, like, they're sneaky with the questions. So my fear is always I'm going to accidentally be like, oh, yeah, well, I wrapped Power in January. Wait a minute. You wrapped Power in January? Power is still shooting. Why would you wrap Power in January? Like, that's, like, my nightmare that I'm going to, like, spill the beans accidentally. So I'm glad I don't have to constantly – I mean, I would answer questions like, Someone say, hey, what's going on with you with season six of power? I'd have to stop. I'd take like a five second pause and be like, okay, don't say your character gets killed. Don't say your character gets killed. Don't say your character gets killed. And then I'd launch into my, you know, description of what goes on for practice this year. So I'm relieved that I no longer am at risk to, uh, to, to, to ruin the, that episode. Well, you, you did a good job. You did a good job because that, that must have been a very, very hard secret to keep. Uh, one last question. I oh, my to... wife and my mom knew. That was it. My wife and my mom. <laughs> well, that, well I, I would hope they would know. I would hope they would know. Or else, did, did, did your wife press you about it? Or were you just like, hey, baby, this is this is what's going on? Uh, no, I kind of just told her, you know, just because obviously, you know, you know, it's like a lifestyle thing, too. It's like, oh, well, hey, your your job is ending. Why are you around so much, you know? <laughs> I kind of had to just explain on, like, a, on a lifestyle level of, like, all right, this gig's over, so we're going on to another one, and I'm going to be around for the next couple of months trying to find a gig. Awesome, awesome. Last question. I mean, obviously, we love we love everything that you do on, on TVs and movies. What other projects do you have coming up, man? We'd love to, you know, keep watching you because you've brought so many great lasting memories to us on the TV screen and the movie screen. So, what you got? What what are you, what are you working on right now? So, uh, myself and the actual creator, showrunner of Power, Courtney Kemp, uh, have sold a show to HBO, uh, a one hour drama. I uh, can't really tell, you know, she's writing the scripts right now. Uh, obviously can't tell too much about it, but you know, if everything goes well with that, which obviously she's an amazing writer, so everyone expects that it will, you know, that'll definitely, and that's something I would act in as well as, and produce with her. So that would definitely be the next, you know, big thing coming up and we should be getting some clarity on that real soon. Uh, in the interim, I've been working, uh, with my old buddy Romney Malco on his show, uh, A Million Little Things on ABC. I did uh, an episode a couple of weeks back, and I got a few more coming. So that's been fun. And now I'm doing back to my 2K League uh, gig, and I got some fun uh, podcast stuff coming up down the pipe. So trying to stay busy while also having a seven-month-old son, which that is like the fullest of full-time jobs. Man, I remember the last time we spoke, bro. So I know – Congratulations on the son. The fans may know you as Joe Proctor, Turtle, but we know him as Jerry Ferrari. You can follow him on Twitter and on Instagram at J-E-R-R-Y-F-E-R-R-A-R-A. Jerry, thank you guys so much. Hopefully we have you back on the show when the Knicks are doing a little bit better, make some moves and do something. But uh, it's always good having you, man. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, let's do a midseason check-in. Let's do an all-star game, all-star break check-in. Absolutely. Maybe maybe during the trade deadline. We'll figure some time out. We'll hey, figure some time you see out. what I'm saying? <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Take it easy, bro. And that is a wrap for this episode of Big Apple Buckets, a New York Knicks podcast with the New York Post. Whew, that was very cathartic. 
But thanks to our producer, Jake Brown, for making it all happen each and every week. Despite how these Knicks play, he still comes in and puts this podcast together despite the crap that we see in the garden. So thank you to him. We got you covered with new episodes each and every Tuesday. So make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your preferred podcast platforms. You can find more Knicks news by signing up for our daily NY Post Sports newsletter and by visiting nypost.com. We will be back next Tuesday talking more Knicks basketball, and we will see you then.